I'm excited. Knopf texted me as well while we were, uh, I was at the urinal, and he said, I see you. It was kind of awkward. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, got it. <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely watching. I don't know how long he's going to watch, though, because uh, tonight's his wife's birthday. So they're probably being romantic, and it's awkward, and it's great. So um, we are still in Ephesians, and we're excited about it. Um, we've been kind of talking uh, straight through it, and it, there's a, this beautiful um, kind of central idea that we've, we've been called to first sit and then walk and then stand, and it's kind of like a, there's, it's a thematic book, unlike some of the other uh, books written to address problems, and so um, last week, if you were here, Knopf talked about how uh, we're, we're partners in Christ, and we're not called to be any kind of like employees or working for uh, the things that God calls us to do, but just, we're just supposed to, you know, walk out our faith in just kind of a uh, I love for who he is. And so tonight we're, we're in an equally exciting verse. We're going to be talking about walk in love and walk in light, um, assuming I get to that bit. So if you've got your Bibles, um, open with me to Ephesians 5. We're going to read 1 through 14. Um, I absolutely love this verse. So, therefore, starting in verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as dear ch- children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us in all... An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, nor idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom uh, kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the, spirit of the, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no, foolish, no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light. For whoever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who are asleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So it seems relatively harsh when you kind of like that center bit. But we're really excited about what all this means. Because if you go into the Bible and you're like, I need to look at all the things not to do, it gets really heavy. But if you look at the, the, the plan for God, it's not to focus on kind of bailing out darkness, but just releasing his light. And so that's what we want to, really what we want to talk about tonight, um, especially those first two verses I absolutely love. Um, and it's funny that I'm, I'm getting a chance to talk on walk in love, because I would have thought that like heinously ridiculous like six months ago now, six minutes ago, because I, I kind of went through this like really harsh thing for my life. I, I was... Um, Engaged to be married, dated this girl for like seven years, and uh, and then uh, right before the married their wedding, we we didn't get married, and it was just like weepy, like heartbreaking thing. And I don't want to go on and on about this, but this has kind of like been one of the most formative things in my life. And but at the time, I couldn't understand why it, it killed me. And and so she, I mean, one of the things she said was, "I love you, but I can't marry you." And I was I was like, "Oh." 
I don't know what that means. Like, how is that physically possible? Like, if you love me, then, you know, we're good to go. But, and, and I, I really want to be careful. Like, I don't want to slander her at all. She is amazing. She's a wonderful woman of God. But God's plan was not for us to be together. And she, the reason I say that is because some of you know her. And um, so, I mean, the amount of good things that have come out of kind of our breakup have been, you know, I look back and I'm like, yes. At the time, I was not happy at all. But she said, I love you, but I can't marry you. And so I just, I was like, I don't know what love means. And then at the same time, everybody I know is like, we love you. You know we love you, right? And they're just all trying to like make me feel better by talking about love, which like is the only thing that I can't fathom at the time. And, and so graciously, um, I, start, I start like, well, I, I did the whole like, you know, a good week of like, I'm going to do all the things that will make me feel much, much better. Like I worked out like crazy. That didn't last long. I ate like crazy. That lasted slightly longer. Uh, I, I went and bought stuff, and that didn't last long because I ran out of money. I tried, like, everything I would do to medicate. And within, like, a week, God was so gracious. Instead of, like, six months, a year of, like, just, just being crappy, he was like, no, 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 come on. You know I love you. Come back. I'll tell you something. And he just was so gracious with love. And... Um, if you, if you, and so I said, God, teach me love. And, and, and I randomly, my, uh, my church started going through John and my Bible study started going through first John. And if you know anything about John, he's just love, 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 love. Like that's all he talks about. The love chapter is not even in his book, but like if you were to graph and I do this cause it's like any nerdy way to take in the Bible, I'll do it. So I'll, I'll take a word and I'll graph how many times it shows up in the Bible so if you graph love, it's like, John, first John, and then it's just like, that's how he, he perceived God. He was the disciple that John loved, or the disciple that Jesus loved. And so God has just been gradually describing to me what love means, what it looks like, and how I was so far short of that. Like, as a husband, I would have been sorely inadequate as, just in my ability to love. I had no idea that um, there were love languages like different ones. I was like, I, I, I receive love by spending time with people and I just assume that's what Liz is like. She's, that is not her at all. Like she's the romantic love and she's got all these like different, I just wasn't prepared for it and I didn't know how to do it. And, and so God has just been like teaching me over these last couple of months, like what does love mean? What does the father's love look like? What does, how do I walk in love? Like how, it, it, and it, it goes far beyond affection and, and, you know, the things that this world does. I mean, I was reading The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This book is ridiculous. It, and it's The Knowledge of the Holy. Like, I, every time I read that, I think it should be, like, The Knowledge of the Holy God or something. So I, like, wrote on the cover of my book, like, The Knowledge of the Holy God. Because I couldn't handle, like, the Bible, the, the book being too short. But he just goes over different facets of God's character. And so in, when he's talking about love, he says, we do not know and may never know what love is, but we can know how it manifests itself. And it's like, this is A.W. Tozer. Like he is, I didn't come up with anything for that, but he's just ridiculously like a crazy powerful man of God. And if that's what he's saying, like, how can I, I don't know. And, and the thing, I was thinking about it, I'm thinking about these things at work and um, like, even within our society, we have these, like, crazy concepts of love. We have, like, the like versus love when you're, like, in an early dating relationship. You don't know when you're going to, like, transition from liking to loving. Like, the Seinfeld, you know, he's, like, very careful not to say love. And he finally does say, like, he's like, I'm going to tell her I love her. And he tells her, and she says nothing. 
And he's like freaking out. And then he finds out later that the girl was deaf in the left ear. So he like tries to like throughout the whole episode like sit on the other side and like tell her he loves her. And she hears him and she's like, I know, you told me earlier. And it was like, it just devastated the guy. But, and we have, love in our society is just, it's, I mean, even, I was looking up, even CNN has a page telling people, like, when is the best time to switch from saying I like you to like I love you? Like, CNN, why would they do that? And uh, it gets even worse. Like, we've got love-hate relationships. We've got, like, these Cosmo, like, you know, uh, what are they? those Cosmo quizzes, and like guys, like we, we just, we're up against it, like there's love actually, like if that's the movie that defines love, like we're screwed, like everybody was screwing everybody else, and it was just like, this is, this is no good. The Bachelorette, like I hated anybody watching The Bachelorette, because that, that puts me up against like these rich guys who've got like helicopters, and like if that's what love is, like I'm screwed. But and so we've got these like kind of thwarted concepts of what love is, and that's because Satan can't stand anything about God. And, and it says that God is love. And so his, one of his biggest works on earth is to destroy the meaning of that word. He wants to confuse it. He wants to dilute it. He wants to destroy love in our lives because he doesn't want us to look anything like the Father. And if we go to the dictionary, I, I enjoyed this reading the dictionary and what love means, like, it's useless. It's just synonyms and questions, and, like, it doesn't provide any answers. It says, passionate affection, warm personal attachment, deep affection, sexual desire. Like, pa- affection and attachment are love. Like, that's, that's not right. Like, and if you talk to any married folks, like, Nof, I was talking to him, and he's like, love is a ten-letter word spelled commitment. And it's like, I don't, I haven't even gotten to the whole commitment bit yet. Like, I tried to. But we need to understand love as it really is. And, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to love, understand something, like a, one of the, the defining points of who God is. In, in 1 John 4, it says, God is love. And then it goes on to say, we love him because he first loved us. So our, he is love, and our ability to love is defined by who we know him to be. And, I mean, I didn't even realize that. I was trying to love on the basis of, like, you know, I'll just spend time with her, and I'll be nice to her, and I'll, like, I just, I was trying to create love in my life. And it, it should all proceed from God and our relationship with him. I mean, even if, if we talk about love, every discussion of love will inevitably bring you back to God if you can kind of see the parallels between what you're saying and who God is. I mean, I was reading this guy who's describing love, and he said a young mother, thin and tired, nurses her plump, healthy baby and looks down, and she doesn't, she's not thinking about, like, her own well-being. She looks down, and she's just eyes shining, excited about her baby. Like, there's no, like, love is, is self-sacrifice. Like, that's just a very, very common thing in love. But if we think about, like, the ultimate self-sacrifice, no greater, love hath, no greater love hath man than this. He lay down his life for his friends. I mean, we're singing about Christ having died for our sins. That is ultimate love. It's ridiculous. At one point, he says, um, who for the joy set before him did not consider it, uh, and he goes on to say how he, he wasn't against going to the cross. Like he was, it was the joy that took him to the cross. And that joy is the ability to spend eternity with us. Like, he is so excited about relationship with us that he was willing to die on the cross. 
It's not out of any sense of like obligation. It says the father gave him the opportunity. He gave him the ability to lay down his life. Like he wasn't just a robot. He chose because he's love. So if we have this concept of love, like that Christ is love and all of our understanding of love comes from him, we want to have it as a part of our lives. And so we can do the, uh, the super holy thing, which is to sit and like meditate on love. Or we can do the like super Christian thing, and that's to like get together and like Bible study love like for hours. And we've tried that. Like I, our, I admit like three weeks ago, our men's Bible study was, let's talk about the love chapter, like love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, doesn't parade itself. And let's just talk about how our understanding of this is wrong. Like, and we just went through, and it was shocking how like our understanding of like patience and kindness were like just kind of twisted away from what God really has designed. And, and the point of that is, I mean, we try and add these facets of love to our lives. So, you know, there's this movie. What was the name of that movie? Where the guy, like, uh, he, he, he's, his marriage is falling apart, and he starts, like, trying to be one of those every week. He's like, I'm going to be patient this week. I'm going to be kind this week. Fireproof. Fireproof. And he, like, he slowly adds these, like, these traits of love into his life and then his marriage is saved and there's a sweet twist at the end and it's all like you know happy doodah but in reality like I've never really been able to add any specific like facet of love into my life like if I try to add patience my life gets really really difficult I end up really angry and I forget that I'm trying to add patience to my life like it never ever works and I think that's it's very important it's the same thing when you're studying like the fruits of the spirit Love, joy, peace, patience. Everyone is like, oh, give me joy. Teach me patience. Give me, and you're like adding, you're trying to add these like things in your life, but it says the fruits of the spirit. It doesn't say fruits of Sean. Like it's not the fruits of you people. It's the fruits of the spirit. The more you walk in the spirit and understand who Christ is, the more you um, seek out God and he says, I am love and you love because of who, what you know me to be then you're going to start seeing the fruit flowing out of your life. And, and we, I mean, even love is central to each and every one of the fruits of the Spirit. I read somewhere, joy is love delighting. Peace is love resting. Patience is love waiting. Kindness is love reacting. These are so beautiful. I just sat for like most of my lunch break, just like, ooh, that's cool. Goodness is love choosing faithfulness. Is love keeping its word? Gentleness is love empathizing. And self-control is love in charge. That's my favorite one. Because self-control is always like, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to add some diligence, mix in a little bit of wisdom, like, you know, and I'll just be great at the end of the week. But no, self-control is, self is love in charge. The more you love the people that are hurt by the crap in your life, the less you want to do those things. It's the same thing. We don't want to try and add these things into our life as a force of will. I, I love, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to Tozer again. That's that uh, knowledge of the holy. I got one more quote from him. He's ridiculous. We learn by using what we already know as a bridge over which we pass to the unknown. We learn by using what we already know as a bridge to pass to the unknown. So we, we learn, we use the, the, con the people in our lives, the love we receive as a way to try and like project that on God. Like, oh, my father was such and such, so I'm going to love God because I believe that he's such and such. And it just opens up like a dim view of God's love. 
He says, when we try to imagine what God is like, we must of necessity use that which is not God as a raw material for our minds to work on. Hence, whatever we visualize God to be, he is not. So it's like, crap, now what do I do? Even in my life, like, I've got a ridiculous dad. Like, he spent time with me. He was a grad student for most of my life because he's one of those, like, lifelong college students. And we, like, I would play during the day. He would study at night. Like, he spent time with me, and that's my love language, so I felt loved. Even when I got in trouble, like, he, he disciplined me so well. Like, I would get, I would go downstairs, I'd get my spanking, and it was good. And then he would, he would go upstairs, and, uh, and he, he would, uh, I would go upstairs too, and he'd, and he'd act like nothing happened. Like, it was like the crappiest day until I got spanked, and the moment I spanked, got spanked, it was like it didn't happen. And so when God says, like, as far as the east is from the west, I'm like, all right, I could take that. But if you come from a family where, like, the dad doesn't discipline well, or the father doesn't love with time spent, or he doesn't even match your love language, you end up with this, like, thwarted view of father relationships and love and God and all these things. We, and that's another way that Satan just tries to destroy love in our lives. And really, we have to break out of this, this worldly defined love. So it's, it's, it's all getting back to Ephesians 5.2. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. He didn't just say walk in love. He said walk in love as Christ gave himself for us. It's like we, he doesn't merely talk about the love, but he also focuses on the action that follows. And as we try, we can't even like fathom what that's like for someone we never met to die for us. But even look at, uh, go, if you skip ahead um, to 525 when he's talking about husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Again, not just husbands love your wives, husbands love your wives as Christ loved us and gave himself for the church. So our understanding of love is based on, our, or our ability to love our wives is based on like our understanding of how much Christ loves the church, but then also understanding the whole idea of giving your life. Like there's a selflessness built into this love. And, and really, I love the idea that the more you walk in love, you're going to end up with like a death of self. It's, it's ridiculous. We can, we can look at all of these different aspects of love and, and talk about like the beauty of what Christ did and what he expects of husbands, what wives should be like, what brotherly love looks like. There's so much love to be had. I read John and first John like daily. Like I just blow through it every morning because I want so much to have that love in me. But we want to talk tonight not about walking in love, or not about love, but walking in love. Dang it. About what it looks like to walk out this love that Christ has done for us. And it's not like a let me perfect my love or understand my love and then I'm going to love the world. Like one of the things I told Waterbury was like, why am I not getting married? Like, I could learn love in relationship. Outside of a relationship, like, I'm just going to be taking notes on other people's relationships. Like, the best way to learn love is to be in relationship. But no, like, it's been ridiculous. This last six months has just been, like, my hand cramps, like, every six hours because my journals are all full. Like, it's awesome. But you don't need to perfect the love to be, like, an active part of walking out this love. 
And it's, it's, it's a walk that needs to be rooted in our sitting. So if sitting describes our position with Christ in the heavenlies, walking is the practical outworking of that heavenly position here on earth. That's another knee quote. I love that guy. He's ridiculous. Sitting describes our position with Christ in the heavenlies. Walking is the practical outworking of that heavenly position. See, what we ordinarily do is we're, we're, we've been talking about what it means to sit in Christ, and it's like resting in the confidence of who he is, understanding that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We're sons, we're sealed, we're filled, we're predestined, we're adopted. Like, there's all these great truths about who we are. And so we're like beginning to like, okay, like, I don't need to go out and suddenly, like, you know, work my way to Christ. Like, he's set all these things in motion. But now when it's like, let's walk out our love, we want to, like, ordinarily, you go from sitting to walking. Like, there's a change of, like, position. And there's, like, this forward motion. But in Christ, in the context of what Paul is giving us in Ephesians, we need to remain seated while still walking out our, our lives. And so rather than, it's difficult to, to picture, but think of yourself more as abiding and resting and still walking. And he says, nothing is so hurtful to the life of a Christian as acting. Nothing so blessed as when our outward efforts cease and our attitudes become natural. When our words, prayers, our very life becomes a spontaneous and unforced expression of the life within. It needs to be love is, walking in love is an outflow of the heart. It's not a work of the will. That's one of the, my favorite points. I, it's, it, it, walking in love is an outflow of the heart. It's not a work of your will. I, I mean, uh, I went and saw Captain America, and I'm not going to tell you anything about the movie that you couldn't see in a preview for free. But like at one point, they like chuck a grenade, and this dude who's like, uh, you know, pre-Captain America, he's like, you know, Captain California, he, they throw out the grenade, and he, like, dives on the grenade, and that's, it's just like, in a split second, he makes that decision, and it's because it's, like, part of who he is. It's his personality. Everyone, like, dives away and freaks out, and he just, like, I got it, and it's because, you know, they're building this character to be a guy who's, like, super meek and, like, super small and, like, doesn't think much of himself. So, like, that was his personality. He's like, I don't know what I would do in that situation, but <laughs> I had this, like, spiritual moment in Captain America. Would I do that? <laughs> so the first thing that we need to know in, in trying to walk out this love is you must remain seated. You must abide. I mean, what was John 15? He said, um, you know, I'm the vine. My father's the vine dresser. Abide in me. And he just went on and on and on and on and on and on about abiding. Like, he really, really, really wants you to remain in what he's done. We don't, he doesn't want you to go out and take new ground. He's already accomplished everything. I mean, what did uh, Knopf say? God won't call you to do anything he hasn't already accomplished? Like, that's awesome. The second thing that I've kind of been thinking about is that you need to know what God thinks about you. You need to know what God thinks about other people. What you really need to walk out love is just Christ's vision. Like, the ability to see someone and understand. Like, one of the things we were talking about when, uh, when the guys were going through love is patient was the fact that patience normally in our society is, like, withholding anger or, like, trying to not boil over. But in reality, patience is nothing like that. I mean, imagine um, this kid, 
And he's like in the back of the movie theater, and he's like freaking out, yelling and screaming, like you're exercising patience. I want to enjoy this movie, but I also want to beat that kid. And you're trying really hard not to do those things. But now imagine the same kid, you know, he's in a burn victim or a burn ward, and he's like screaming and hollering, and you're not going to go over and beat the kid. Like you understand why he's doing what he's doing. Patience is based on, on vision. I mean, God is, it says if God is love, and love is patient, then God is patient. That's Christian transitive property. But the idea is that God is so patient with us. Like how many times have you gotten really excited about God and then just kind of like lost interest or like done the same sin for like a good six months? Like, and yet he's not waiting like with a stick. Like he's just, come on, I love you. Like he's so patient because he sees everything about your life. In fact, before you were even born, he saw every decision you were ever going to make, and he still loves you. So his patience isn't withholding anger. His patience is, I see everything about your life, and I love you. So imagine if we had that vision. If we could look at someone and just realize, like, oh, man. I would be in the exact same position if I had that. I mean, in Santa Cruz, I went to school there, and there's lots of bums. And they're like 16-year-old bums. They're not the like old like army vet bums. They're like the, it's, I shouldn't be saying bums. It, it's really, uh, it's really sad. Like, and I look at them when I was in college and I was like, you are this way because you didn't go to school. Like if you went to school, you'd have a job. You wouldn't have to do all these things. But like one day God was like, you are an idiot. Your father loved you. He paid for your college. Every day he sat down with you and did your homework. He got pissed at you when you didn't do your homework. He was there. He encouraged you. That kid's dad wasn't there. You would be him if you were in his shoes. And now I'm like so soft. I go to those guys and like I'm giving them everything I got because I can understand like, man. And, and, and that's just one vision of, who got, of the people in our lives. Like Knopf loves to say that people all around us are living lives of hidden desperation. Like, we need God's vision, and that's only going to happen as we remain in Christ. I mean, look at, and God's vision is ridiculous. When David was um, anointed as king, they, what they did was they brought, like, uh, they, set the, they told the prophet, go to this house and, like, pick out, bring all your sons. And so they brought all the sons from, like, you know, the best looking to, like, the buff to, like, the athletic, and they just, like, lined them up. And, and the prophet goes up and down and up and down. He goes, no, this is not it. And so it says in 1 Samuel, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical nature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For, the Lord, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And it's like if that's how God ordains kings, and all over the Bible it says we are kings, like this is how we should see life. In Eric's talk last week, he talked, I don't know why I keep pointing over here. Eric's talk um, was all about loving, he talked about loving and the unlovable, those people that are like, you know, kill you to love. And it's, it's the same idea. Like, to walk in love, we need to have God's vision. As a kind of a side point, we need God's vision not only of the people around us and, and God's plan for them, but also to love yourself. I mean, it says, Love your neighbor as yourself. If you think you are useless and you hate yourself, you're going to be like bitter and angry about everything. But if reading Ephesians 1, when it says, you know, you're in him, you're in him, you're in, it says in him like 14 times. 
You are the beloved. You've been blessed. You are a son. I delight in you. Then you're like, yes, I'm good. And you see someone, you love them out of what Christ has told you is true. And it's like just uh, an easy thing. It goes on, um, love your wife as your own body. Ephesians 5, 28. Like, you need to see, uh, I, I, I've been reading all about like husbands and wives and like these things like keep popping up. It makes me really excited because that means God saved me from what could have been a really crappy marriage, not because of Liz, but because of me and wants to teach me what it means to look like a husband. But he's saying like, love your wives as your own body. Like I need to, that means, that's like a, you know, when he says um, that the husband le- and the wives leave their parents' home and become one, like you really need to see yourselves as one and like really value them to the, only to the gr- degree that you value yourself. So we need to remain seated, sit down, and you need to know what God's vision is like for other people and yourself. But you also need to be super intentional. Now, this isn't like, diligence and willpower and like getting in and like making the fruits of the spirit your fruits but it does say walk in love not stumble in love like it doesn't even say be loving it says walk in love it means you need to make sure that you're looking for opportunities to love i love ephesians 2:10 we covered this a while ago it says for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them If you have that view and you are excited about walking in love, then you're like, God is putting people in my life. He has already set up good works that I should walk in them. And you just need to put on Christ and walk it out. And and even Colossians 4, 5, like Paul talks about walking constantly. Like he talks about sitting a little bit, mostly resting, but walk is like all over all of his books. But in, in Colossians, he doesn't talk about walking um, worthy of your calling in love and light and wisdom. He talks about walking towards those who are outside. And he's not talking about like walking towards like people outside your house. He's talking about walking towards like people that aren't Christians. We, people see us and we need to, they need to see Christ. We are, are walking in love is one of the things that's like the easiest way to draw people to Christ, if you walk in love. Like, if they, if they have something in you, they're like, he's a Christian, but, and you can say a whole bunch of things, like he drinks and does all these things. Like, if he has a whole bunch of things that your friend really does not see, uh, I mean, I have no problem with drinking, but I don't want it to even be named me. In, uh, if you go to five, uh, where is it? In the middle of that chapter when he's saying uh, fornication and cleanliness, covetousness, and he goes through all these like crappy things, he says, let it not even be named in me. That means don't even like get anywhere near it. And it's not like a religious like, I don't know. It's just you're walking out your love. And one of the things you should realize is that other people are watching everything you do. I mean, my mom's a nurse and she talks to everyone about Christ. But now, everyone watches everything she does. Like, if she slips up in any way, Christ is slandered. So now, walking in love is walking towards those who are outside. Seated, we need to know what God's vision is, and we need to be very intentional. But this is the point that really brings everything kind of full circle. 
And it's, we need to imitate Jesus in his, in his life of dependence. And really, we've been talking about 5-2. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. But 5-1 says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. So walking in love is, is really all about just looking like Jesus. And in fact, Jesus at one point says, if you want to follow me, you need to walk as I walked. That's 1 John 2, 6. Love 1 John. But Luke 6, 36, he was constantly describing the differences between him and himself. He says, be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. 1 Peter 1, 15, be holy just as he is holy. It's all about, like, just be like God. And that sounds kind of ridiculous, but we should be imitators of Christ. In fact, at one point, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like, it was all about just, like, we need that picture of what God wants us to do. At one point, Jesus says, I can do nothing that I don't see the Father doing. I say nothing that I don't see the fa- hear the Father say. Like, he walked in, like, a level of dependence that was absolutely ridiculous. Anytime, like, he healed the sick or raised the dead or loved on people, like, he says, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing. So he's seeing his Father do all of these things. I don't know how, he's, I don't know how that works, but he sees the love of the Father and then just walks out that love. But if we're trying to love like on a daily basis, it's always going to be the work of our will. But if we manage to just rest, sit, be intentional, think about what, have God's vision, try to seek after those things that God wants to do, and then you just start to imitate Christ. What would Christ, I mean, it's not, I don't want to preach WWJD. That's, that's cheesy. But it's all about imitating Christ. And imitating Christ is just spending time with him, sitting. I mean, at one point in Hebrews 11, Paul's talking about all of the great men of God and women of God that have done anything in the Bible. And it's just like, by faith, so-and-so, by faith, so-and-so, by faith. And it just does that over and over and over and over again. And it's just like, and then it says, therefore, with this cloud of witness, let us run, having thrown aside all the weights that, like, ensnare us. But it was a cloud of witness that he was referring to. Like, do you have a cloud of witness? Do you have someone in your life that you're like, I want to look like that guy? Like, I've got, I've got Waterbury, I've Knopf, just Eric Squared. I've got all sorts of, like, men of God in my life that I want to be like. I want to love as Waterbury loves. I want the, the level, I mean, Knopf gets up every morning at 6 a.m. and never misses Bible. It has nothing to do with religion. He just delights in it. We play basketball at 6 in the morning, so on those days he gets up at 4 or 4.30 or like some ridiculous hour that I, I'm like driving in the dark, like I don't even think about it. It's just a, like a level of sold outness like that, that, that's just who he is. And I, I read books about like the heavenly man and like all of these like ridiculous apostles and like, you know, all of these guys. And I just want to look like them. And I want to imitate Christ. I, the reason I read John is because it's the book that is, it's got super detail. Like John 1 through 13 talks about like Jesus' first three years. John 15 through the end talks about Jesus' last 24 hours. So the level of detail about what Jesus said and how he loved and what he thought and like reading his prayers, like it makes me excited about love and like what God is calling me to do. Even like uh, the whole imitating the dad thing. Like, 
It's ridiculous. My dad is, you know, 57, and he's, he's, he's completely different than me. But we'll walk into, like, I'll walk into a room, and I'll say something, and then my dad will I'll sit down, and my dad will walk into the room and say the exact same thing, like, in response to whatever's going on in the room. And it's like, really? Like, I didn't study you. I didn't try, like, but I, I look like him. And it's just because I've spent time with him. I've been around him. I kind of like who he is. And it's just like you take on, you, you imitate that which you, like, set before you. So, I mean, I want to challenge, one of the challenges I want for you is, is do you have, like, a spiritual father or a spiritual mother? Do you have uh, people that you look up to that aren't just, like, great businessmen or athletes? Or do you have something to live up to? Are you, like, the best person you know? Like, that's, that's bad. My, if, if, if walking in love is all about remaining seated and imitating Christ and, and just his dependence, then the, the like height of his dependence is in his quiet times. Like he said, I and the Father are one. And yet, you see him like he'd like retreat from the masses and like pray. And he's, he's, he, if Christ the Son of God, who is one with the Father and knows everything and ha- only does what he sees the Father do and has tremendous vision for everyone around him. Like every time, so many times when he healed, he said, and he had compassion and he healed them. Like that's who he was. But if, if this guy who is absolutely ridiculous on so many fronts and makes us look like a pile of crap, if he was constantly praying, constantly listening to the Father, constantly trying to be quiet, then how much more should we be doing that? I mean, even when uh, he was tempted, which is, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to stand in a couple weeks, and it's going to be really exciting. Noff is like, I want to talk about that because he has a sword, and like, it's going to be great. But if, if, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he said, every time Satan said something, he responded with the word. And it isn't because Jesus is the word, it's because as a youth, he studied it. Like at one point, his, his parents lost him, and he showed up in the temple, like, and, and he was just sitting there listening and, like, interacting and, like, arguing and taking in the word. Like, Jesus, we need to be like him, I- imitating his love, his delight, like, the way that he just went after it. And so that's what I want, really want to ask you is, like, what are your quiet times like? Or do you have any? Do you have them on, like, a... Because if this is your best quiet time, that's also bad. Like, remember, Knopf said you're not a Christian just because you're here. You're not, I mean, in the same way that you're a car by standing in a garage. Like, your Christian walk is defined by the ground you take with Christ by yourself in the dark somewhere. You don't have to be in the dark. I'm in the dark. But do you spend time quiet? Do you spend time in the Word? Do you spend time in worship? Do you... Seek after him. I mean, it, it should be central to, like, walking out love. You can, you can study love. In fact, in the love chapter, it says, if I have all knowledge and have not love, I'm like clanging symbols, I think. If I have all faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm useless. That's, that's not the biblical translation, but it's close enough. The idea is you can study all of these things, but if you don't have love... You're useless. Love is central to everything. My, I, I forgot to... 
Colossians 3.14. I was reading this week, and I love this verse. Love is the bond of perfection. It's central to the fruits of the Spirit. Like, love is, is the center of everything. If love is the bond, I was thinking, like, what does it mean to be the bond of perfection? It gives unity to all the characteristics of the Christian life. And it's therefore the mark of spiritual maturity. Love gives unity to all characteristics of Christian life and is therefore the mark of spiritual maturity. You can be, you can have dreams and like blessed thousands. You can have like, the, you could be the best orator like, and theologian. Like the Pharisees are the, a great example. And they were useless. Everything in the Christian walk starts and ends with walking in love. At one point, uh, it says, you shall know them by their fruit. And that's how the world looks at us. Like, we can talk about how great we are and, and how much we love Christ, but like, if they don't see the fruit of love in our lives, like, we're clanging symbols. They don't, they don't care at all about what we say. They only care about what we look like. You want to lead your friends to Christ, spend some time in quiet. Get to know the love of Christ and then just walk it out. Everything in life comes by understanding love. I used to think that uh, like holiness was just the thing I would never be able to understand. Like, you know, you're singing, God, you are holy. I actually don't sing most of the time because I'm frustrated by my inability to understand holiness. Like, we have no constructs in society that are holy. And so if, if we use that which is known as a bridge to get to the unknown, how am I going to even begin to fathom holiness? But I used to think that I can, I can study love, and I can pray about love, and I can get love, and eventually I will be perfected in love. But the more I read about Christ's love, the more I, I get to know who he is and the Father's love and how amazing it is, the more I realize, like, Love is no more attainable than holiness. Like, it's, it's expansive. It's massive. We do not do God's love justice. And the only way to do that is to imitate Christ. Not WWJD, which is I walk around, and when I see something, I think about and then exert willpower over that situation. No, love isn't, is just a, something that just rises up out of you as you abide in Christ. So as, as the worship guys come up, I don't really, we don't want to go back into worship, which is odd. Um, I just want them to play, and, and what I want you to do is have a quiet time. Like, you don't have to, like, at all. If, if, if this doesn't mean much to you, there's pizza on the back and there's a door on the side. Like, but if for some reason, you realize that love is something that you need, you want, you want to see in your life, then do what Christ did and begin to understand what it means to have a quiet time. Ask him, what do you think about me? Who in my life do you really want me to love? What does your Holy Spirit think? What, what passage in the Bible describes perfectly the things you want to teach me right now? Or just worship. I mean, just whatever, in whatever way it looks like. But we do not want to be a people that come to church and go. Because there's zero power in that. My brother went to church, and now he's so far from church. 
We went to the same church, the same services. We cried at the same services. But there was no quiet times in his life. And so when things got crappy, he, he split. Everything is about understanding how much God loves you. We love him because he first loved us. So, you know, as, as they just strum the guitar and look awesome, have a quiet time and just see what God has to say.